Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Ticker, the IR Magazine podcast where we talk about everything IR. I'm your host, Noemi Di Stefano. Coming up this month on the show, we delve into the difficult realm of reporting with a focus on ESG and more specifically on the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. Later in the episode, we speak with Alex Anyev, sustainability expert and creator of the AI-powered CSRD chat tool, designed to help companies understand their responsibilities around CSRD. Alex talks about his motivation in building the tool, the challenges in creating a reliable chatbot for ESG, and why AI holds a huge promise for easing the sustainability data burden. But first, we try to answer some of the basic questions about CSRD. How is CSRD different from other existing sustainability regimes? How can a company successfully integrate CSRD if it's already an adopter of a voluntary ESG standard such as GRI or ISSB? What data does your business need to gather and report exactly? What is double materiality and how can your business assess it? To answer these and more questions, we speak with Julia Scanferla, Senior ESG Reporting Manager at British American Tobacco, a firm that started its double materiality assessment in 2022 in preparation for CSRD. Julia talks about the double materiality assessment journey, highlighting challenges and successes and the benefits of CSRD. So without further ado, let's dive straight into that conversation. Julia Scanferla, Senior ESG Reporting Manager at British American Tobacco. Welcome to the Ticker Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show this month to talk about um, double materiality, assessment, data collection and um, CSRD compliance. Um, but before we dive into that, for the listeners who don't know you, um, I just had a few questions about your role at uh, BAT. Um, so to start with, can you maybe tell us how long you've been at the firm and what are your main responsibilities as ESG Senior ESG Reporting Manager? Sure. So I joined BAT in October uh, 2022 as Senior uh, ESG Reporting Manager to lead the delivery of BAT external sustainability disclosures, uh, mainly within our combined and sustainability report. But as everyone knows, uh, the reporting landscape is uh, fastly evolving. So uh, I'm managing a broader sustainability reporting suite as well as uh, leading the external disclosures for CSRD. Thank you very much for um, that. And um, I just want to ask you, obviously, our primary audience um, is our IR teams, so people who are on the front line of that investor communication. As part of your role, do you do you collaborate with IR teams? Do you have any involvement um, in any of the external communications or internal communications they put out to the C-suite or investors? Yeah, actually, at BAT, we have IR specialists within our group sustainability team, and they are responsible for pro- uh, promoting uh, cross-functional knowledge sharing and making sure that 
uh, we understand and meet shareholders' expectations in terms of sustainability. So uh, I can uh, proudly say we work uh, together on a daily basis quite closely. Okay, so let's let's dive into CSRD. So a new acronym that adds to the so-called alphabet soup of ESG reporting and frameworks. To start with, I just wanted to use your expertise and ask you, what is CSRD and how is it different from other existing voluntary or mandatory frameworks? Uh, well, I think, you know, we can break it down into two parts. So what's different about this framework and how it interlinks to other existing frameworks or standards? So I would start by saying that uh, CSRD brings about two new concepts, uh, which are double materiality and mandatory assurance of uh, sustainability information. So reporters and users of sustainability statements will know that CSRD introduces the concept of double materiality. So companies uh, will have to perform a double materiality assessment in order to identify and report the topics that are most material to them. And that also introduces a set of 10 topics to choose from. So the requirements are very extensive. And the other main change, which was not basically included by any other standard framework, is the mandatory assurance of sustainability information. So CSRD requires all uh, data points and disclosures to be uh, assured with a limited assurance from the reporting date with the ambition to move into uh, reasonable assurance by uh, 2028. So it means that finally sustainability data will be regarded as financial data, so they will come to the same level. It also means that companies will really have to look at their uh, control environment, data quality, availability, reporting criteria, and really uh, build on the systems they have to prepare uh, for this regulation. So there is quite a lot to think about. Definitely. And thank you for breaking it down for, for our listeners. And I mean, um, obviously, the CSRD kicked um, on last year in January 2023, but this will be the first year the companies will start um, gathering data to report then in 2025. Um, I had the question, uh, I'm sure many, many companies have, is like, so what, what do I need to do if I'm a company that already complies with GRI standards that are kind of like the voluntary sort of equivalent uh, or ISSB standards? under which now DCFD ones fall into. So what um, what do I need to do if I'm already an adopter of any of these standards? So I think while CSRD represents a step change in the sustainability reporting world, I think it's important to really take a step back and, and uh, see the bigger picture uh, because some of the CSRD requirements actually map directly to the global reporting initiative standard or the sustainability uh, accounting standard boards and the newly uh, launched ISSB. So there are some overlaps. So the best thing to do is really to take a, take a step back, understand which of the disclosures a company is already uh, publishing map uh, both to the existing framework and to the requirements set. By CSRD. So in that way, uh, it can uh, be a useful exercise to build on uh, interconnections, interlinks, but also bridging the gap to future compliance uh, for CSRD. 
Makes sense. And I mean, CSRD goes alongside ESRS, um, which provides the framework and the methodology to report. So a question that is very simple, but I know the answer is going to be a little bit more complicated. So exactly what is that these entities need need to report? What kind of like data are we looking for? Yeah. So uh, as you said, you know, reporting begins as early as 2024. So some companies are already subject to it. I think the first step is really for companies to assess how and to what extent uh, they are affected by CSRD because they're complex may vary depending on, uh, you know, which groups are subject to reporting. And uh, this also has a consequence on internal reporting, data collections and disclosures. But generally, I think we can say that IFRAG has released uh, two uh, main cross-cutting standards. So we have ESRS2, which establishes the fundamentals of CSRD. Uh, the disclosures requirement applicable to all uh, topics as well as insights on structure and presentation of sustainability statements. So that is step one. Step two is really all of the other topic-specific ESRSs which set out disclosure requirements around governance, strategy, risks, opportunities, impacts, metrics and targets uh, for all of the topics that may or may not be material for a company. Okay, thank you very much. And I just wanted to obviously talk a little bit about your experience and BAT approach to this. So you were one of the first um, companies to report on double materiality. Um, Let's start from maybe if you have a piece of advice on how to tackle this for a company that is is, is getting started on this journey, um, still figuring out what to do. I, I I think you've covered this a little bit in your previous answers, but what is your one piece of advice for these companies? I would say don't uh, underestimate this exercise because it can be quite lengthy and it involves a lot of brain power from other functions. So as you said, we... uh, we did our first double materiality assessment in 2022. And then in 2023, we leveraged our work to really align more closely to the ESRSs. And what we learned is that education and communications are essential to drive progress against this exercise. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> CSRD makes it very real and more fact-based rather than perception-based. So I think it is vital that all stakeholders involved really understand what it means, how it's going to be used. Otherwise, it can be very tricky to use double materiality strategically and correctly from a reporting perspective. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges that you may have encountered just to highlight then how you overcome them. So what were challenges for you in this double materiality assessment specifically? Yeah, for us, one of the main challenges was making stakeholders understand the difference between importance and impact. So, so far, traditional or single materiality has been regarded as a tick box exercise and that was really focusing on importance of topics rather than the impact the topics have on us or vice versa. So that is quite a big step change in how the assessment needs to be conducted and the fact that it really needs to be a fact-based exercise rather than perception. So it's not about 
how you and I think uh, that a given topic is important. It's really about what is the actual inward and outward impact this topic had. So quite a lot of, you know, education and communication on that was necessary to really uh, bridge the gap between the past and uh, the future with CSRD. Another uh, big challenge was the fact that uh, the business uh, traditionally focused on assessing and managing inward risks rather than outward risks. So it was, again, a learning process in understanding okay, we, we know what the inward is, risk is, but we need to spend time in really identifying and assessing what the outward risk is. So in that sense, it was really important to, again, work cross-functionally and uh, really build together an inside-out and an outside-in perspective on how the company may be affected by certain topics and how certain topics may affect the company. And I mean, if you look back at before the company started um, assessing double materiality, what do you think have been the benefits so far in general at a company level? Um, what, what do you think are the benefits? I mean, not that companies have got much choice, <laughs> but <laughs> what are the benefits of CSRD? Well, I think there are benefits in uh, meaning that, you know, CSRD really changes everything and it makes sustainability real, not just for the sustainability team, but for other uh, teams across the organization. And I think as sustainability and business leaders, we really have a bigger opportunities to catalyze this change and make individuals responsible for progress across the organization so they can feel that they are part of it and it is becoming part of uh, their daily jobs. And I think it's quite a big you know, step change, but benefit compared to the past because other voluntary frameworks didn't bring the same uh, breath of change and challenge. Okay, and I mean, earlier we were just talking about how you work with IR teams within your company. Um, so when it comes to um, communicate the results of your double materiality assessment to shareholders, any work you have done in particular, and if, if yes, in what form with your IR team? Well, I think uh, there are a couple of things here. So our investor sustainability team owns more the relationship with sustainability professionals, while our traditional IR team uh, owns more the relationship with investment professionals. However, this day, because sustainability is becoming a really hot topic across many stakeholders, we see more of these meetings combined. Uh, and in addition, you know, this year was uh, the investor sustainability team who established a cross-functional team of experts to ensure that we are well prepared uh, to deliver against the disclosure requirement of CSRD. So in that sense, there is a clear link between what's happening internally and uh, how we communicate it externally or to investors uh, should they be interested. Okay. And I mean, I... I suppose, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have like a lot of direct engagement yourself with, with investors. But um, I had a question in, in regarding the way that investors want to receive that information. Um, maybe if you have seen um, a change in the way you communicate internally to the people that then speak to investors, that kind of information. Because I mean, I've heard over the past few months that maybe less is more, um, they want like a more simple simplified information. So have you seen a change uh, at all? 
Well, we know from our IR specialists that it's hard to generalize on how investors want to receive information, but the overall uh, direction of travel is that they want more of everything. So we are really trying, uh, you know, to make the most of how we present our external reports for investors. So we got 11 material topics, you know, generally some investors are more or less interested in some rather than others, but uh, we want to be, you know, more mindful in how we engage them and making sure uh, we do uh, provide succinct uh, but clear and um, and uh, detailed information at the same time. So uh, to, this year we have published our second combined and annual sustainability report. So we have a double page spread for each of our 11 material topics and there you know we have really tried to meet uh, investor expectation by talking about the impact we have, the actions we have taken, uh, what we have learned and what's next. And we have done that in uh, quite a small space. So I think, you know, we did a good job in delivering that. And in addition to that, we also have uh, a more technical and detailed ESG performance data book, uh, which, uh, you know, was actually popular uh, among investors because that is where they can find our full set of uh, sustainability information. So I would say, yes, you know, this engagement has played a key role in how we have structured our external reporting and we will continue to evolve the way we do that. And I mean, just a follow up question out of curiosity on that, I mean, on those 11 um, uh, metrics, which ones would be like uh, at the moment the most uh, popular, let's say, for your investors? Well, uh I think among investors, of course, uh, you, uh, our harm, res- harm reduction is inevitably uh, the most, uh, you know, important slash hot topic because it is core uh, to delivering the purpose of our business. But then from a pure sustainability perspective, of course, climate change, circular economy, biodiversity and human rights remain at the forefront of, you know, what investors want to know about. Okay, and just finally then, just to cast an eye um, to the future, I mean, using CSRD um, uh, as a a reporting framework, how do you think that um, will continue to influence and uh, maybe continue to shape um, the way BAT um, reports and implements strategy around sustainability? Well, I think here uh, we all know what CSRD means and it's going to be a lot of work, but we do think that it can be an opportunity for companies in general and for us to transform what is externally seen as a burdensome exercise, compliance exercise to a more strategic uh, tool to drive culture change so that sustainability can be embedded truly in our day-to-day jobs, not only in the sustainability teams, but more widely in our companies and plugged in in decision-making from a profit and loss perspective and to make long-term decisions. So, uh, you know, I'm a sustainability professional, so I really hope uh, this is the way to change things, not just for us, but for other companies. Thank you very much, Julia, for sharing your journey and um, your insights. Thank you. 
Book your places now for IR Magazine's AI for IR Forum event this spring. Taking place at the Leonardo Royal Hotel in London on the 7th of March, the AI for IR Forum will feature veterans in the AI field from the buy side, experts from tech companies, and of course, issuers who have successfully implemented generative AI in their best practices. This event will provide you with actionable checklists and of course, guides for best practices on how to successfully implement an AI-powered IR strategy in 2024 and beyond. For more information and to book your places right now, visit irmagazine.com. Thanks again to Julia Scanferla from BAT for sharing the company's journey to double materiality assessment and CSRD reporting. We will now hear IR Magazine Deputy Editor Garnet Roach in conversation with Alex Anyev, the creator of the Chat CSRD tool. Welcome to this episode of The Ticker. We've got Alex Anayev, the creator of a, a an artificial intelligence-powered chatbot to help companies understand what they need to do with CSRD, which even saying that sentence <laughs> kind of overwhelms me a little bit. Um, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I mean, c- can you tell us a bit about what the motivation was behind creating something like this? Hi, Garden. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. Um, I guess... Uh... It's hard to describe my motivation because um, you can look at it from multiple perspectives. Uh, at a personal level, as someone who spent a decade uh, helping companies to do their sustainability reports or provide uh, assurance over sustainability data, I know that uh, sustainability reporting takes a lot of time uh, and effort, and it's a highly manual process. So I just wanted to create some something uh, useful that would give back time to sustainability managers, make their lives easier and help to focus on what really matters is driving the sustainability agenda, delivering programs, engaging uh, investors and other stakeholders. So just, uh, you know, want to make people's lives uh, easier and, and more efficient, but also, you know, um, through my uh, consultancy work, I know that not all um, companies have uh, the resources to dedicate to sustainability reporting. And with uh, different mandatory standards uh, evolving, it could be a daunting, overwhelming task. So I think that uh, in this context, democratization of knowledge about sustainability reporting is really important so that before you start engaging professional uh, advisors, uh, you know, you have a a tool where you can find quick answers that keep you going, point you to the right direction, and you can uh, dig deeper if you wish to. But also, um, with so much uh, happening in the sustainability world and AI, it's an exciting space. So I use this tool as my personal development tool as well, uh, because it helps me to stay abreast of recent uh, regulatory updates, uh, understand you know what's happening uh, with the generative AI and also engage with uh, people like yourself even that area I mean we were we were talking before we started this interview about you know keep as journalists keeping up to date with all the changes that are happening on a regulatory level I mean that alone is quite a challenge isn't it and um, especially I think today as as a lot of sustainability reporting is kind of moving from voluntary to mandatory 
From your perspective, what areas of CSRD do you think are, are the biggest challenge for IR teams specifically? I think the biggest challenge is, as you said, is to stay abreast of all the developments, but also to navigate uh, through uh, various requirements, because it's not a secret that while uh, there is an attempt to harmonize the sustainability reporting landscape, uh, different mandatory and voluntary standards are massively overlapping. So, for example, if you were reporting on the GRI and now you have to report on the CSRD, uh, you know, you have to understand what information you've been collecting, what is missing, uh, how you can uh, cross-reference different reports. Do you want to stay to report on the two uh, standards or uh, um, uh, go away from GRI? So it, it's just... Uh, 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 an increasingly complex uh, landscape and mapping all these requirements and organizing an efficient process to uh, meet all these requirements is, is highly challenging. Could you talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that kind of you faced in creating this tool um, and how the, that's evolved since you first began? I mean, we hear, you know, from IROs, there's concerns around, you know, not necessarily just hallucinations, but kind of unreliable output from tools like ChatGPT, for example. I mean, how did you overcome those sorts of challenges? The designing the tool itself, uh, I, I can't say it was a hard task because um, the ChatGPT has democratized access to AI and I'm not a, a, a software engineer myself, so I just used the ChatGPT's customer interface. But providing the right inputs to ChatGPT so that you get useful information at the end uh, takes uh, most of my time. Uh, so, for example, you have to feed the right data from the regulators in a format that would be readable by AI. Uh, you need to keep track of uh, different news and updates to see what, what kind of guidelines have been issued and feed them uh, to AI so that users get up-to-date uh, information. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good reason for me to check the regulator's website regularly. Uh, and also, uh, I get quite a lot of news from, from my network of sustainability professionals who share recent news uh, and updates from the regulator and also experts that work for uh, FROG. And what advice can you can you share to get the best out of that tool? I mean, for people looking to to understand better how to use tools like this and also generative AI more broadly. I mean, we've talked in the past about uh, the framing of questions, for example. What sort of difference does that make to, to the outcome? I mean, you, you have to understand the purpose of this tool and its limitations as well. So the objective is simple, uh, is to give you quick directional answers if you are stuck. Uh, but it's not a replacement of the regulation itself. It's not a replacement of uh, professional uh, advice from sustainability experts or legal experts. So I, I, I've asked people from my network to send me different questions uh, uh, that they had on their mind. And these questions were very, very different. I was actually surprised at how different they were. So some people just say, oh, I only have an HEC health and safety management system, and that's it. So how do I start from, from this point? So it's a very basic question, and uh, CSRD chat can give you some ideas, you know, how to move on and organize your process. Uh, and some other people have more uh, complicated questions. Uh, for example, how do I disclose my CapEx and OPEX if it's uh, sensitive information and we are not a public company? Or some people struggle with particular disclosures. 
So I guess if you if you are seeking for if you're looking for uh, basic questions, just uh, basic answers to uh, uh, just ask basic questions. But if you want to get something more specific, provide as much con context uh, as possible, and also uh, cross-check it with uh, uh, the source. So CSRD chat can give you hints, you know, where to look for information. And once you get these hints, you should uh, actually read the small the small print in the regulation itself. And in terms of like some some of these, it's interesting this like asking people for their feedback. I know that you've been doing that on LinkedIn, for yeah. example, and, and getting questions from your network. Do you provide any sort of guidance to people looking for support? Um, are there opportunities for kind of customizing any elements of this? I know that you said that you've used the ChatGPT interface, for example, to create this. Yeah, at the moment, it's a self-serving uh, tool. And I share on the uh, LinkedIn channel, you know, what kind of updates uh, I make to the tool. Uh, but also in parallel, I work on uh, customization or development uh, of the tool so that it has additional uh, use cases. Uh, so, for example, one idea I have is that in the future you would be able to upload your report and get it checked against the requirements. But also you need to be clear uh, what these requirements uh, are because they are defined by material topics. Um, that your organization have have and then you can get like a quick scan to see your str strong areas weak areas you know where uh, uh what kind of additional information you need to apply uh, and get score sc scores uh for different parts uh, for different uh, disclosure modules so at the moment the, the tool is quite simple just uh, a helper an assistant a navigator but in the future uh, uh I'm, I'm thinking of building additional uh, elements that can serve more detailed, specific tasks uh, in the reporting process. That's really interesting. Um, it kind of feeds into my last question, really, which was how you see generative AI evolving for ESG um, going forward. I mean, and, and regulation as well. And I suppose how, you know, if you have any kind of closing advice for companies and IROs and how they should be taking advantage or how they should be considering their cautions around these tools? Yeah, I think uh, it's an evolving area and it's hard to give any uh, forecasts, but we know for sure that ChatGPT has democratized access to AI and people are empowered to experiment and create their own bots. But I already see that there is a concern about uh, data protection. So my advice is not to input any sensitive data into CSRD chat, uh, and I'm really um, clear about it. And I also see that uh, companies are trying to get hold of AI and develop their in-house tools, driven by data security concerns and also driven by customization, uh, as you said. So, for example, there are already enterprise applications for AI companies can create their own tools and keep the data within the corporate uh, data environment. Uh, and I, I expect that corporate policies about use of uh, AI will come before uh, regulation. And I think what's really important, and it doesn't change when it comes to reporting, is that whether you use AI or not for efficiency, as a company, you are still responsible for your disclosures. And you need to be uh, in the driving seat when it comes to reporting. And when I use uh, uh, AI in my work, for example, always 
document what kind of sources I use and what kind of uh, methodology uh, I follow, uh, what kind of inputs and outputs I have when I use AI, so that you can uh, trace your logical model, uh, your analysis, your sources, and this, this uh, analysis can be verified and, and replicated. And this is really important for transparency, uh, for accuracy, completeness, and helps to uh, avoid uh, hallucination. In terms of the future, I mean, it's, it's hard to say what kind of regulation will come up, but I think increasingly where, where AI could be helpful is ensuring better interoperability between different standards. So as I mentioned, while mandatory requirements like uh, CSRD are being introduced, companies are still following uh, voluntary standards and frameworks. Um, and AI could be a great helper to help to comply with these different uh, uh, regulations and cross-reference data points, cross-reference uh, data, and populate different reporting uh, templates while having keeping the bulk of your ESG sustainability information organized. Also, it, it could be really helpful after the reporting process is complete is when you actually engage your stakeholders. So once you have your annual or sustainability report uh, with key data in it, when you get a request from an investment analyst or from an ESG analyst or from a rating provider, uh, you know, you can use AI to go to your data, pull out the right information and provide it in a convenient human-like uh, format. So that could save a lot of time as well. That's so interesting. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, we look forward to hearing about kind of the, the next steps that you take with this. It's really interesting. Thank you so much, Karin. It's a pleasure to be here. We are hoping to see as many of you as possible at the IR Magazine Think Tank West Coast in Palo Alto, California, which is taking place on the 20th of March. This event is designed exclusively for in-house IROs and will bring together California's IR community to discuss their priorities and challenges in 2024. Our think tanks are, as always, free to attend. Our unique format enables participants to network extensively as well as discuss, debate and dissect topical issues affecting IROs today. Our agenda includes a macro outlook on geopolitical events, of course it's a big election year, and economic uncertainty to identify the key drivers of growth and risk in 2024. It also includes tips for best-in-class earnings calls and a buy-side perspective on how IR can do better in 2024. There are, of course, far more sessions taking place and much more to dive into. To find out more about the event and to view the agenda as well as book your places, please visit irmagazine.com. You've been listening to the latest episode of The Ticker Podcast, brought to you by IR Magazine. For our listeners, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, thanks for listening.